0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. We're in our third week of a series that we are working from called The Way to Joy. The Way to Joy. Pastor Dustin just did a fabulous job kind of giving us an idea of what our culture has made Christmas out to be. The world that we live in, especially this Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, uh, Christmas unfortunately has become an event that accrues more debt that you'll ever pay off. Christmas has become a challenge for for families. Uh, I have a friend of mine in town that I was talking to about, what are you guys going to be doing for Christmas? And she said that it gets pretty stressful because they have seven different places that they have to be just to keep everybody happy because of the family dynamic. And then last but not least, whenever you're, whenever you're working from swimming in a debt load because of trying to keep a few kids happy, and whenever you're swimming in a stress load of time because you're trying to keep all the family happy, I can guarantee you your next step of dissipation, the next step of the tidal wave, is going to be steps away from faith instead of steps in faith. So the reason for this series is simply to remind you that Christmas began and Christmas remains the way to joy. No matter what culture says, the birth of Jesus Christ is the way not to debt, not to family division, not to lacking of faith, but Christmas began and is the way to joy. So I've just kind of stopped by on three consecutive Sundays to reiterate the gospel message that Jesus is the way to joy. Can I get an amen today? So taking out your Bibles, 1 John chapter 1, again, I welcome all of our friends. If you're visiting today at Calvary, thank you. I know you could be anywhere. Thank you for being with us. And special shout out to my good friends all the way from San Diego, California. Alex and Marlena are with us today. They're good friends hanging out with us for a few days. I'm trying to give them a enough barbecue and trying to buy them a couple pairs of boots to get them to stay in Texas with me. And not go back to the crazy world of California. Uh, there's enough... Crazy there. They need to stay here. And I'm trying my best to be polite. I had our local news on the other day, and Denora said, Babe, turn the channel. They don't want to watch the news. I said, Babe, they're from California. Let's go to our text. <laughs> <laughs> and all my texts say, Amen. <laughs> 1 John chapter 1. Here we go. Verse number 1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. We have seen him. And now. Now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4 is where this series kind of took its launch We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Now, let me give you a little context. For some of you, you're completely unfamiliar with who John is. So, in in the Christian Bible, the Word of God, in the New Testament, the first four books of the Bible are known as the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are basically the writings of those four individuals of what their experience was with Jesus. John, that we're reading today, is the same author of the Gospel of John. But then he also chose to write 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then he also wrote the closing, at least the way it's positioned in the Bible, the closing book known as Revelation. All of these are written for different reasons. But this one that we read from today and that we've taught from this entire series was written for this reason. Because there was a group of believers, a group of Christians, that had started hanging out and spending time with another group that had a different belief. They were known as agnostic. An agnostic group, those that believe the message or the flip up. philosophy of Gnosticism, they don't believe that there's any good in the body. They believe there's good in the spirit, but not in the body. Now, that sounds a little confusing. Let me help you with it. They believe there's a good spirit. They just do not give validity that it was Jehovah God. They did not give any credit to that Jesus Christ even existed. So, basically, they came and came around the sheep, if you were, uh, if you will, but yet they were wolves because they were hanging out with rubbing elbows with we'll we'll take our liberty and we'll say they were drinking coffee and playing golf with these Christians basically telling them there's nothing really wrong with your morals and your values and your belief system but but you know Jesus really didn't exist, but that's cool that you want to be good it's cool that you want to be kind it's really a good thing that you want to be fair, but just know that Jesus really didn't exist. Well, all of a sudden, these Christians are, they're being inundated with this belief system, and they started to lose confidence in Jesus. So John wrote this book to infuse them with new confidence in Jesus. So therefore, today, this Part number three. My, my subtopic is to be infused with confidence, and I just want to start off with a with something that, that that's that, that's a great example of, of physical earthly human confidence. It's when I I uh, I was a youth pastor in San Antonio, Texas, all, all the way on the south side of the city. I was a youth pastor there, and and back in those days, the church that I served belonged to an organization of other churches. So what they would do to create fellowship, friendship, connect time with all of the students, they would they would pick a central located church and they would have something called a youth rally. And all the churches would meet at this one church and all the young people were there. Moms and dads thought the young people were going there to pray and find God. All the young people were there to meet honeys and fellas and flirt and all that. So I was a youth pastor of a group like that and, and I walked into this this beautiful church on the north side of San Antonio, and it was somewhat kind of similar to our building, and I'll use these this set of doors and that set of doors as an example. They, they had these doors that had little windows in them that you could see into what this room would be referred to as the sanctuary. So I walked into the lobby, and there in one of those little glass window panes from the sanctuary looking out was this gorgeous, smoking hot, Latina, and short, petite, and it, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I got a little nauseous, I got a little nervous, and, and, and I knew, I knew, man, this girl is just crazy good looking, and I don't even know her, I don't know her name, I haven't, I, I, nothing, I just saw her looking through the window, so what I did, like us fellas, what fellas do is we just go into this other persona, and we try to get our confidence up, we start trying to act like something that we're not so i imagined i envisioned me really tall and and in my mind's eye i saw me just bulging with muscles and and i just i just i just you could just tell the dude is a just a beast of an athlete and he's smart and he's wealthy and he's just got all this stuff so i just kind of look at her and i hit her with the And she messed up because she smiled. And it was on. And then she just disappears. So I go and I find her youth pastor. I'm like, who's the little, who's little, little, little short brunette? And he went, oh, dude, dude, just wait till you hear her sing. What? She sings. Every preacher's dream, smoking hot dreams, scenes, Mexican, (laughs) hit the stinking Powerball, man, and she smiled, so I knew she was on to daddy. And, buddy, when she took that microphone and when she started singing, I'm telling you, it didn't matter if she was on key, off key. It didn't matter. I was like the first one up. Love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Oh, love you, Lord. One eye on Jesus, one eye on her. Oh, Lord. So the service is over. It's time. Daddy's about to make his move. A game's about to shine. I'm going in. And I'm like, where's she at? I can't find her. Where's she at? I'm going to punch somebody in the throat if somebody's got a hemmed up, cornered up. Where is she at? And couldn't find her. And her youth pastor said, man, you missed out. And as soon as she sang that song, she got on an airplane and flew out to the West Coast. And I'm like, what? You're kidding me. He said, yeah, but good luck, bro. She doesn't, she doesn't date. She just, she's not interested. <laughs> yeah, that, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, You're, no, I'm being for real, bro. It's like she's turned down everybody. Danny. Everybody, just just watch me work. <laughs> so she comes home, right? So I just, I dig deep. You're tall. You got muscles. You're smart. You got money. You're, you're just, you're the man. So I find her, and I go in for the kill, and I ask her out. She says, no. <laughs> and that's not a joke. She said, no. And I'm like, she's probably preoccupied. She's got, you know, she's in school right now. She's probably got a test. That's got to be the problem. So I give her a few days, right, to calm down. (laughs) She's probably just shocked that it actually happened. That's what it is. So I go in for round two, man. She says no. Round two, she says no. I'm like, that's like two strikes. I'm like, I'm, I'm bumping on being struck out here. So I wait, give her a few days. I'm thinking, I know this is it. I go in for round three. She says no. Three consecutive rejections. So what do we do? We go back. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Some of you that say you had quit, you just hadn't found the right one. Because when you find the right one, dude, you'll go stupid. <laughs> I went back. And she said yes. And I'm like, I, I knew it the whole time. But she said yes. But she says only to lunch. Who in their 20s wants to go to lunch? I'm saying, I'm picking you up at 5. I'll have you home at midnight. That kind of date, right? She says, we've got 30 minutes at lunch. <laughs> so we're sitting there. I'll never forget the place. I had a little black and white tile. I had this little wrought iron, little two... Two-person little wrought-iron table with these cute little chairs. It was Italian food. So I'm like, I'm just like rolling with it, right? I'm flirting. I'm dropping every joke I know. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the hair. I'm, I'm flexing. I'm doing everything. I'm doing everything. And she stops me. She stops me. Like she's going to, you know I'm telling the truth. She stops me. Like she's going to, like she's going to spare me the pain. And she says, you just need to know. What do I need to know? You just need to know that there's this guy. There's this guy. And she says, you know, he says his name. And everybody that's named like him thereafter, I don't like you. So she says his name. not going to tell you the name, so I'm getting nervous. She tells me his name. And and I said, well, where, where does this cat live? And she says, he's in California. So I'm starting to put it together, right? She just flew out there. So I start putting it together, and I'm like, he's there. I'm here. (laughs) And I honestly think she thought it was such a stupid line that she got tickled. And she's like, that's funny. But it's what it took. Kendall, I landed the woman of my dreams. How did I do it? Persistency. height. A little bit of humor, but everybody say the word confidence. But here's the letdown. Here's where it all spirals out of control. Physical confidence might work in that arena, but whenever you come into a spiritual challenge, you can have all the money. You can be the tallest. You can be the smartest. You can be the savviest. You can have the most swag on earth. And it's not gonna help you in a spiritual challenge. And this is what I've had to learn, man. I've had to learn this. It doesn't matter how you carry yourself physically, when it comes to the spiritual challenges of life, you better have some confidence, not to be confused with confidence in yourself, but confidence in Jesus. And John was looking at a group of people that had lost their confidence in Jesus, and John said, I've gotta get them back on track. And, and, and I've got to get them back honed in to really what makes the difference in the spiritual faith walk. Yes. So this is what he did. He wrote John, 1 John rather, chapter 5. Look at this with me. 1 John 5. And this morning in the first service, I read verses 1 through 15. In this service, I'm just going to touch here. Uh, if you'll hang in here with me, I'm just going to touch a few of these due to time. Verse number 3, 1 John 5, this is how John got them back on track, and this is how John's going to help us get on track going into the Christmas season. For this is the love of God. What's the love of God? Well, it's that you keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Verse 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Everybody say, live by, faith. live by faith. Look at verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Verse 8. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree in one. Now let's jump to verse 13. These things I have written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God. Why? That ye may know. Everyone say, no. I write you these things that you might know that you have eternal life and and that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence. I know I'm having you say a lot today, so let's just keep it going. Everybody say confidence confidence. That we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we desire of him. Now, King James, that, that, it gets a little busy, right? There's some of you that just had a great three-minute power nap. Because as I was reading that, you were like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Let me help you with it. John said to this group of believers... That had lost their confidence that Jesus really existed. John said, listen to me. I see you sliding into some dangerous lifestyle choices. And to help you get back on track, you need to settle it. You need to settle it. Settle this once and for all. You need to know that you 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 know, that you know, that you know? Jesus is Lord. And he is the only way into salvation. You need to settle it that Jesus is the Lord. And then he goes on to say, and you need to settle it that you know that you know, that you know that you know that you know, that you know that you are saved. Why? Because when you know that Jesus is Lord, and when you know that you are saved, no matter how violent the curveball that life brings you, no matter how tough the dilemma, no matter how dark the day, you already have settled the most crucial decision in life that Jesus is Lord and that you are saved. You can hang out with agnostics. You can hang out with atheists. You can hang out with people that, that, that are that, that a preacher term would be backslidden, those that once knew Jesus that no longer knows. It doesn't matter who you're hanging out with because you know that you know that you know yeah. that Jesus is Lord and that you were saved. Yeah. But you got to settle it. Everyone say, settle it. Because yeah. if you don't, these two things are going to be traps in your life. And here they are. Number one, you're going to deal with insecurity. If all, you have, if all you have to reach down and tap as a well of confidence is confidence in yourself, you're in trouble. Because I don't care who you are, if you're in this room today, there are some environments that you're comfortable in. But there are some environments that you have insecurities with. Man, I can walk to this pulpit, and this is my sweet spot. I love doing this. You ask me to sing, I'm throwing up. There are environments that you will shine in in this life. There's other environments that you will have insecurity about. Yes. Let's break down this word insecurity. Fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear that you're not good enough. I had a very deep exchange of conversation with someone recently on the word unworthy. Unworthy. You'll have fear that you'll never be worthy of the love of God. You'll have fear that you'll never be accepted by God. You'll have fear. You will literally struggle with insecurity that your past is too dark and too too bad, too evil, that God can't reach you. And it's not because you're lacking confidence in yourself, right? All of us got a little bit of confidence. No, no. You're lacking confidence in Jesus, so therefore these insecurities rise up. Insecurities of, should I be a part of a church? Should I get close to a pastor? Should I literally say yes to all of the Word of God? Insecurities of, can I be in business and be honest? Insecurities of, is this marriage going to last or not? Insecurities of, in the fear of, how are my children going to... How are my children going to develop? You will remain in fear until you settle the trump card. I mean the card that changes everything, and that is that Jesus is Lord and that you are saved. Because once you establish that he's Lord and once you establish that you're saved, all of this other stuff, it just seems to fall into place. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that insecurity is real. But it means that you'll have the Holy Spirit to help you navigate through the worst of the worst of the worst that fear can bring. But if you don't have your eternity settled... And if you don't have your faith settled, all of these things in the earthly dimension become multiplied problems. And the next thing you know, the Bible says you're unstable in all of your ways because you're double-minded. You're in today, you're out tomorrow. You believe this now, you believe that later. You you think this way today, you think this way tomorrow. And because of that, you become unstable, you become you become someone that's lacking that's lacking confidence in Jesus. And John saw it. And John got worried for his friends. And John, if he were here today, he would say the same words that he penned on parchment to these, this, this group of believers. And that is you need to settle that you know, that you know that you're saved. A second thing that's going to pop up is inability you're going to have insecurity, but you're also going to have inability. You're going to have depression coming into your life. Oppression coming into your life. And I think this is something that most people don't ever really stop to think about. It's a dangerous thing to f- play with. It's called stagnation. You ever come upon a, once was a flowing body of water, a little stream, but yet there became an obstacle, and that water just stopped flowing? It becomes the housing of bacteria. It becomes the housing of pollution. It becomes filthy, dirty. And then what does that attract? Other filth and dirt. And the next thing you know, you have a pool of problem. Can I preach to somebody today? If you never settle the fact that he's Lord, and if you never settle the fact that you're saved, if you never take him up on his free offer of his saving grace, you will become stagnant in life. You'll stop dreaming. I know married couples in this room right now, your number one problem is that you've become stagnant in your relationship. Going weeks upon weeks upon weeks without a, hey, I love you. Weeks upon weeks upon weeks without going to bed at the same time together. Now you may say, what's this got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it. Once you settle the fact that Jesus is Lord, and once you settle the fact that you're saved, you're taking care of the most critical part of life, the spiritual, the eternal. And it frees you up to be able to navigate the natural with clarity, with vision, with understanding. But as long as you're unstable between spiritual matters and earthly matters, physical matters, emotional matters, you're, 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 you're lost. But Christ's confidence overcomes insecurity. Christ's confidence overcomes inability. So how, let's talk about the how-to today. I love seeing some of you taking these notes. Write these down. This is how you build Christ's confidence. I don't want to just talk about it and leave you without a a how-to list. And this is how you rebuild it. If once you've had it and then you lost it, this is how you rebuild it. This is the first thing you got to know. Everybody say no. no. You've got to know that God loves you first. Now this is going to sound uh, pretty juvenile to some, but I'm telling you this is as rich and deep as good as it's going to get. Some of you need to understand that God loves you first. Every single thing you feel and sense and do that you think is doing something good for God, you're doing it out of a response to God. Once you drift away, you'll start thinking that it was it was me that wanted to give that special offering. You know, I'm a I have a gift of giving and I wanted to give that special offering. It was me that wanted to worship. I just I just felt like I just felt like worshiping. Because you know, I'm just that I've just got that much confidence in myself that I'm sure God is pleased with me. God was probably asleep till I started singing. Well, that's probably true, but... Hey, everybody. Every single thing you've ever done or ever will do for God is a response to God because He loved your hide first. How do I know? This is why. 1 John, same book, different chapter. 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 and 10. He that loveth not knoweth not God. That's strong. You're telling me if I don't love, I don't know God? Well, here's why. He that loveth not knoweth not God because why? For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent only, God sent, rather, his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. God initiates, we respond. God creates, we respond. God starts, we respond. God reaches, we respond. Here's how it looks. This is how it looks in real life. When we worship, whether we realize it or not, we're worshiping in a response to his majesty. When we do give, when we do give, we're not giving because of a. Because Pastor Dustin got up and asking you that. No, no, that's not why you really give. When you give, and it's an and it's an innocent, pure act of giving. When you give, you're giving in response to His goodness. Yes. When you go, when you go, you're going in a response to His calling. Amen. When you care about other people, guess what you're doing? You're responding to the Great Commission. He always initiates, we always respond. Here's how I like to say it. Write this one down. When you know your role, you can have peace in your soul. Everything changes when you know your place in the relationship. I got so tickled this week. I was walking into the, the the school of my youngest daughter, and I was holding her hand. We were crossing the street, and she saw a classmate of hers that her dad was walking her. So here here is how it looks: you got two dads and their daughters, and we're walking to class. And the other child had a doll, a little baby doll. And I said, "Oh, you're bringing your doll to school today?" And the dad, which I didn't even ask him, but the dad said, "I told her not to bring it. I told her she shouldn't bring it. I told her not to bring that doll." To I told her mom not to let her break. And then he says, hey, uh, just to be clear, I am the alpha of my house. And then he said, but my wife's the alpha alpha. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded like that brother knew his role. Hey, everybody, if you're married, you need to go listen to what I just said a thousand times. Know your role. DeNora knows hers. She's the alpha alpha. I'm just letting her know. I'm just making it plain. I I know my role, baby. Don't worry about it. Hey, check this out. God loves you first. If you know your role, oh, it gets fun. But the minute that you start thinking that you're in the lead, the minute that you think that what you're doing is is really impressing God, guess what, everybody? What he did was quite impressive. He loved you first. Here's the second thing to consider. You've got to know, if you're gonna have confidence in Jesus, you've got to know that God listens to you. This is probably one of the top questions that I get as a pastor because most of my conversations are with people that are in trouble. And they'll ask this question, do you think God's listening? Do you think God cares? Pastor Tommy, I prayed about this and nothing happened. I'm fixing to to set somebody free today. If you've got ears to hear, use them right now. Because if it has not happened yet, it will happen. There will be something come to your world that rocks you. That shakes you to your core, and if you're not careful, you're going to start being like these people hanging out with these agnostics. Uh, agnostics in Scripture, you're going to start questioning: Is God? Is, is God care? Does God? Does He listen? Is He even listening to me? Because you prayed, but yet you were let go. You prayed, but yet you were you you, you got divorced. You prayed, and 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 someone passed. You prayed, and and you had to file bankruptcy. You prayed. You prayed. Is God not? Are you not there? And there's not one person in this room that doesn't qualify to hear this message. Including the man preaching it. Because there's been plenty of time in my life. I'm preaching your gospel. I'm telling people about you. And I need you to do this. And it's like you're not even listening. We just read it in our text. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Let me introduce you to a big fancy word. It's called sovereignty. Here's the difference in you and God. He initiates, you respond, right? Then that tells me he's greater than me. That tells me he's way up high. And, and just as a symbol, we're going to talk about The the viewpoint of height. He's way up there like airplane vision, and he's looking down, and he sees things I can't see. It would almost be like if I'm in the woods, and I'm, let's say I'm in East Texas, and I'm in East Texas with these giant pine trees, and I can't really see what's going on. I can see here, sure. I can see a little bit out in front of me this way, yeah, but I can't see what's going on around me. But yet God has this vision. He has this perception, this, this angle of, of sight that sees more than I'll ever understand. And that's why some, some old boy got him a pen and paper and he wrote a great country song that he really does thank God for unanswered prayers. But you and I, we think he's not listening sometimes and we'll start losing our confidence in Jesus. Well, you didn't show up when I needed you. You did not heal my father when I needed you to heal my father. You did not do this when I needed you to do that. And John's saying, listen, 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 listen. It's real what you're feeling and sensing, but you got to have something greater than that. You have to have a confidence in Jesus Christ that he knows and he cares and he's listening, even when you can't quite understand it. And then finally, if you're going to have confidence in Jesus, you're going to have to know That you will have the victory with him. 1 John chapter 5 verses 4 through 5 out of the ESV. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What? What, What's the victory? Our faith. Faith changes everything. A preacher, a Christian preacher can preach the rest of his ministry on one topic and be safe. And that's faith Because it is the faith in Jesus that allows the grace of Jesus to work. Everybody hear me and hear me well. Who is it that overcomes the world except someone that believes in Jesus, the Son of God? It has a question mark, but the answer would be no one. Because with Christ, you win. Without Christ, you don't. Pretty straightforward and strong. But the victory that you will have in overcoming the world comes through your faith and your confidence that Jesus is Lord... And that you are saved. Let me try to close today. If our musicians can help me put a, put, put a wrap on today's message. Hebrews 11. Stay with me for a few minutes. Hebrews 11. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And then I'm going to go read verses 33, 34. Again, Hebrews 11, verse 1, 2, and 33, 34. The fundamental fact out of the message. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God. Everybody say, This faith. This faith. Faith in Jesus is the firm foundation under everything that makes this life worth living. Did you catch that? This life is only worth living. They, pardon, the, pardon the phrase, but the hell that you will go through in this life is only worth enduring because of faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. Let, not, not, let not that offend you, but it's the fact of the matter that apart from Jesus, that is your reality. This faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle. It's the handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors. It's what set them above the crowd. Oh, I feel like preaching to someone here. Verse 33, listen. It was through acts of faith. That our ancestors toppled kingdoms, made justice work, took the promises of God for themselves. They were protected from lions, fires, and thrusts of sword because of faith. Because of faith, they turned every single disadvantage into an advantage. How? Out of faith. They won battles. (laughs) They settled it. I've got confidence in this, this I know, Jesus is the way to salvation and this I know, I've said yes to him. So no matter what comes my way, lions, fires, troubles, pains, challenges, you name the disadvantage. When my eternity's settled, every disadvantage becomes my advantage. It changes everything. Because it's the way to joy. The things of this world have no joy. But with Jesus... It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. I close with this, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Word of God today. I close with Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, again in the message. Now that we know that we have Jesus, now that we know at Calvary Church, in this second service today, that we have Jesus, this great high priest that has ready access to God let's not slip it let's not let it slip through our fingers we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality he's actually been through every weakness and testing he's experienced it all all but sin so let's walk right up to him and let's get what he is so ready to give what is it take the mercy and accept the help King James would say Obtain mercy. Find grace. Stay with me this morning. Prayer partners, quickly come and take your place today. Prayer partners, quickly come. I have, I've requested a course to be sung for just a few moments of your time. We've sung this song today. And it was strategically placed for right now I know I know you and you know me and we know each other and I know there's some of you here today in this particular service you did not need a church service today you needed the help that Jesus was offering so over the next two or three minutes I will not keep you much longer but over the next few minutes Won't you come and won't you find the help and won't you receive the mercy that Jesus is offering you? Don't go another day without him as your Lord and Savior. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Get ready to respond. Get ready to respond. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray over my friends that are in this service. May their hearts be open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. May their minds, while it may not understand everything, may their faith overcome their doubt. And may they receive you as Lord and Savior today and receive your help. With every eye closed still and every head bowed, this altar is open. I would love the opportunity to lead you to Jesus today. I would love the opportunity for you to have help and mercy and grace forgiveness of God this altar is open, won't you come right now won't you come right now bring your burdens to the Lord if you need prayer of any reason our prayer partners stand here ready to assist thank you for coming God bless you sir, thank you young people God bless you my friend I see you there God bless you a mom and her beautiful daughter God bless you buddy prayer partners make yourselves ready who else is there today won't you come Let Jesus do a work in your heart. Let Jesus do a work in your heart today. All right, guys. Why don't you lift your voice and sing this from your heart? Come on, everybody, join me like one big singing choir today.
1: Jesus, I love you. Oh. Ah.
0: Tonight at what time, big? Six o'clock. All ladies, what's the what's the 18 and, eighteen and over? Okay. Now, if there's any single fellas in the house, you might need a flat tire in the parking lot about that time. I would like to say this. I'm so proud. I know Dinor is proud. We're proud of this church because tonight's ladies' event is one of the biggest that we've had. All the pre-registration. It's going to be big. And there's room for you. If you're looking for a place to connect, everybody, just here's the deal. I, I shared this on social media with a, a, someone in particular just recently. If, if, if you're looking for a place to connect, if you're looking for a, a faith family, don't, just just hop in because I can tell you this much. We'll love you. We'll protect you. We'll pray with you. Jesus and this church is not looking for perfection. He's looking for someone that's available. To Madison, I'm proud of you, kiddo. Corey and Sam, I'm proud of you guys. As I told Corey right before we went into the water, this is not a step of claiming perfection, Corey. Don't let the enemy hold that over you. It's claiming that you know. That you know that you know. That you know. I've settled it. He's Lord. And I've said yes. And when I say that, I've got more confidence than I've ever had before. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, the woman that stole my heart, I want y'all to know the end of the story. She chased me. She chased me long and hard, and I, I gave in come here. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for today. Thank you for the baptisms. Thank you for the response to your word. Bless us. Keep us us safe, healthy and happy, Jesus. In your name. Amen, everybody. God bless you. You're dismissed today.